are starting a brand new series, Teach Us to Pray. There is this prayer that Jesus gives out. He gives it out in two different places. One is in Luke 11, the other one is in Matthew chapter 6. And he basically is, is, is giving us the blueprint and the model for how you pray well. Now, I don't know about you, but like I have always kind of felt bad about me and prayer. See, I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to be really, really good at spiritual things, right? And we're Christians in this place, and so we ought to know how to do spiritual things. But I've always had this little bit of a funk about prayer because I've always been a better studier and a better uh, student of Scripture than I have been a prayer. I don't know if anybody ever felt like that. We won't do confession right now. But if you're out there and you know what I'm talking about, you struggle with prayer. Like, how do I pray and how long? And, you know, you have all these issues and problems with prayer. And I have to admit, like, that's always been something I never felt like I was good enough at being a prayer. People have these words like, are you a prayer warrior? I have never felt like a warrior of prayer. I don't know that I've ever felt like a warrior of anything. Yeah, I don't, nothing. So nothing comes to mind. I was trying to think, have I ever been a, I've never been a warrior at anything and I certainly ever felt like I was a prayer, ever like, you, you need to intercede. And I'm like, I don't know. And you ever do that? You ever look, I'm, I gotta be honest, I'm gonna confess some sin here. I am envious sometimes of people that pray a lot and have that that heart for prayer and that I'm envious. I'm like, man, I wish I were more like you. I wish I had that just as I, and so, so, but many times we, we struggle with prayer. I'm going to give you some of the reasons why I struggle with prayer. Some of the reasons why you've told me you struggle with prayer because we all, I think, run into some of the same obstacles. Here, here we go. Number one is this is I think many of us struggle with prayer because we're not really even sure how to pray. I don't know. You know, depending on how you grew up, you have a you have a picture of what prayer is. I want you to know that. Because, see, when I grew up, I grew up Baptist in a Southern Baptist church. And, and we, we were quiet prayers. Anybody ever grow up a quiet prayer? You're quiet. Yeah, we don't we'll get loud. There's no reason. God is not deaf. We need to be loud. And we're really good at silent prayers, right? We don't even pray out loud sometimes. Just. And then when you, we have this other funny thing in the Baptist circle, too, where if, you, if you're doing a group prayer and you start asking for prayer requests, uh, you, you always end up with, I have an unspoken, which basically means I got junk on anyone, nobody to know about, but please pray for me, which makes everybody else in the circle think, what's your junk? What's your unspoken? What do you, what, you know, and if you know people, this, it was, it keep going. And so, so in the Baptist world, you got quiet prayers and silent prayers and I have, I have unspoken requests. Yeah, that. And then, and then, but see, then I went to a Pentecostal Bible college and, uh, and then I really figured out I don't know how to pray because I, I would hear, I was in a dormitory and man, there were these dudes that would pray so loud. I promise I did think God was deaf for a while. I felt like if you just pray louder, God will be forced to answer you. And the reason why is because he's just like, just shut up. Just I'm fine. I'll give it to you. Um, just be quiet. Um, so, so anyway, but I, I really did. Cause these guys prayed at a different volume, at a different level, at a different speed, at a, for a different length. I mean, they would, I almost felt like if I didn't pray for an hour at a time, I was not a good prayer person. And so, uh, so when you have these pictures, you grow up thinking, well, well, what is it? Is it quiet? Is it loud? Is it long? Is it short? How, how, how do I pray? Cause everybody's got a different vibe on prayer. I'm going to, I'm going to give you hopefully some great insight that's helped me over the last few years here. Number two is this, um, you ever have a hard time praying just cause you, you get bored and distracted. You ever don't, don't get, don't get self-righteous up in here. Y'all are like that too. 
You ever get like, you're like, I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm going to pray. And then you pray. And then as you're praying, stuff starts jumping into your mind. You're like, oh, gosh, I forgot. I left that in the dryer. And then and you're like, but we need butter. We need butter. I need to go go get butter. And uh, oh, gosh. And you just all these things flood your mind about like what you need to go do because you just get distracted. Or if you, you know, all of a sudden the the, the phone rings. You're in the middle of praying, and, and you're like, oh, I wonder, I wonder who that is. It's Facebook. So, you know, you have all these things where, or, or some of you do this, where you're like, I try to pray, and I pray, I pray as I go to sleep, and then I just fall asleep. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. I don't know. If that, I've heard some people say, how dare you fall asleep on Jesus? And then I've heard other people say, oh, how, su- how sweet you fell asleep with Jesus. I, I don't, you take that however you want. I don't care. Um, so, so anyway, got, got bored, got distracted. I've been there. Um, some people, and I've heard this from some people, number three is this, is you, you think your requests are too small for God. And many of you think that. Many of you think, well, you know, God's busy. He's got, like, well, how many billion people are we working on now? Seven? Are we up to seven yet? I don't know how many people. There's a lot of people on planet Earth, and there's, there's starvation, and there's war, and there's famine, and there's all kinds of things. And I'm just trying to find my dog, because my dog ran away. And I just don't know that that measures up to what God deems as important. And so my prayers are probably not, I've got a cold, you know what I mean? There are other people that have Ebola, but I've got a cold, and so I just don't think I'm worthy to pray over my cold. And so you got, you got the, my requests are too small. And then lastly, this is where we get, when we get into doubt, and disbelief, we're not even sure that our prayers will really make a difference. Sometimes we're like, well, I, well, I tried. Because this is what I get all the time. I'll tell them, hey, I really want you to pray. Well, I did. Yeah, once. Thanks. Um, or, or I'm like, hey, I really want you to pray. You're like, I tried that once. Ten years ago, I tried it. Didn't work. Gave up on it. Because you're not sure that your prayers will really make a difference. You're like, I've prayed before and nothing happened and nothing changed. So how do I even know prayer? I don't even know that prayer really, really works at all. As a matter of fact, there's a funny story. I don't know if you've heard this before. There's a story of this is decades ago when uh, in, in the South you would have towns that would not sell alcohol. They were called dry towns. And so uh, there was a, a, a guy who wanted to open up a bar in one of these dry towns. And so the, the people protested and the church protested and there was kind of a, a but he got to open his bar up. And so then the pastor was so mad about the bar opening up that they kind of rallied the troops and we're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna get the prayer warriors together. Them folks, and we're going to intercede, and we're going to pray. And they told the guy, we're going to pray that God curses your bar. And so sure enough, a couple weeks later, there's a, there's a lightning thunderstorm, and, and lightning hits the bar, burns the building down to the ground. And so the bar owner sues the church. Yeah, like, I'm going to sue the church. So they bring it before the judge. It, it gets thrown out, obvious reasons here, but they bring it before the, uh, before the judge. And, and basically, he's like, look, these people cursed my bar. They prayed that God would destroy my bar. These people prayed and my bar's destroyed. They need to pay. And so then the judge looks at the pastor and he's like, well, look, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we prayed, yeah, but I mean, like, how do I know that that worked? How do I know that? I bet it probably had nothing to do with it. And so obviously he's trying to get out of a lawsuit. And the judge stops and says, so let me get this straight. The bar owner believes in the power of prayer and the pastor does not. I just want to make sure I have that clear before we move on any further. That you're, that's what you're telling me. The bar guy, prayer. It works. It's powerful. So anyway. So, so you and I struggle with prayer, but we, we have this thing, or if you grew up in church, or if you've been around Christianity at all, we know that prayer ought to be something that we do. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus breaks down three pivotal ideas that, 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 that the Jewish people believed were the three most um, obvious paths to righteousness, three things that we always ought to do. One was prayer, the other one was giving to the poor, and the, the third one was fasting. 
And so when he starts to talk about prayer, he begins to address the issue of prayer. Now, before he gives the model, though, he gives some incredible insight before he ever says, this is how you pray. So the disciples like teach us to pray. And before I even teach you to pray, I need to teach you some other things first. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about prayer. I'm going to give you the blueprint of what Jesus said. This is the model. This is how you pray to get answers, to get results, to get your heart in the right place. But before I even do that today, we will talk about the idea of when, where, and how not to. When, where, and how not to. Because before he even gives the prayer, he's got this whole little setup about when, where, and how not to. Are you ready? Matthew chapter six, let's go just read there. Matthew chapter six, verse number five. Jesus says these words. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll work through it. He says, and when you pray, I say, when you pray and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. He usually refers to those as the religious Pharisee types. They're self-righteous, arrogant, better than everybody else. Think, yeah, he goes, don't be like them because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by Others and truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, but say when you pray, he says that again. So when you pray, go to your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And, and when you pray, but say when you pray. He keeps saying that phrase over and over. He said, when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans. So first he says, don't pray like the, the self-righteous folks. Then he says, don't pray like the heathen pagan people. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. And by the way, your father knows what you need of even before you ask him. So this is, the, this is Jesus' take. He's like, hey, before I teach you how to pray, here's what you need to know. Everybody say, when you pray. There is a win. I want you to know that there, there's a win you ought to. Maybe there's a win you ought not to. There, there is a win factor. And, and if you notice this, Jesus never actually says when, does he? He never says, hey, here's what I should do. 6 a.m. every morning, prayer warriors unite. He doesn't do that. Um, he doesn't say 9 p.m., fall asleep with Jesus. That's the way it works. He doesn't ever give you a win. He just tells you when you're doing this, which means this is that he is making an assumption, Right. Like when you do this, meaning he's assuming that you are going to do this. You have to remember who he's talking to. He is talking to a Jewish audience who grew up praying. They have all kinds of prayers that they would recite. They would be like a, a given forth, a back and a back and forth in the synagogues, almost like a scripture reading. If you've ever seen that in churches where the, the pastor will read one thing and the con, I mean, congregation will read another thing, they would do this. These people had prayer. It wasn't like they had never prayed before. These are people that grew up praying. But how many know there's a difference between Prayers that get results and praying in some kind of weird way that just ends up being meaningless. And so, so when you pray, like there is a win. Now, now I'm going to help you out real quick here. I, I think that there's some good wins. Does that make sense? One of the wins that I think that you need to consider praying for. Now, how many of you real quick are morning people? You, that's a small percentage. How, okay, let's do it the other way. How many of you are not morning people? You're not morning people? Okay, yeah, yeah, we win. Um, there was no contest. So uh, everybody say when you pray. There, there, is a, there is a legitimate thing that I've noticed that when you pray in the morning, that sets the tone for how the rest of your day goes. There is an absolute fact that when you invite God into the beginning of your day and ask him to order the steps for the rest of your day, that if you morning people that can pull this off, 
Because I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to tell y'all you night people, like you have to pray in the morning because you know what you're going to do? You're going to fail miserably probably and then feel bad about it. So I'm not even, so morning people, I want you to pray in the morning. And if you can switch to being a morning person, go pray in the morning. And I promise you, you will see a benefit. You will see a result to the, how the rest of your day begins to unfold. Because this is the, this is the concept of tithing anyways, that we give God the first. That we give God the first portion of our income, we give God the first day of our week, that we give God the first moment of our year, we give God the first. What if you gave God the first moment of your day and allowed that to order the rest of your day? That would be, how many would agree that would be a pretty powerful win if you, if you did that, right? Let me go on to say this. I think there is something powerful to praying at night before you go to bed. Now, how many grew up and your parents did bedtime prayers? Remember that prayer like, now I lay me down to sleep? I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die, why are you scaring your kid? And if I die before I wake, like, hey, it might happen. You might die tonight. Let's get this right. You know, it's kind of like, why are you going to do that to your kid? Don't do that to your kids. Just sweet prayers. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. So, so I do think that there is something to praying, and here's what I would encourage you to do, because we, we know based on science how God organized and arranged your brain. That literally, that when you receive information and then take a nap, or when you read and take in information and then go to sleep, that your mind works uh, basically on a subconscious level and orders your thoughts while you're sleeping. I don't know if you knew that or not, but that's why, yeah, so everybody, naps are good. So what I would encourage you to do is, is, is as you go to sleep, c- cut off, because y'all watch some of them stupid reality TV shows, who got the rose, who didn't get the rose, who's in the house, who got kicked out, who's got a torch, and who... Who got drowned? I don't know what. I don't even watch these shows, but y'all do, and y'all love them. The Real Housewives of. So here's what I want you to cut it off one show early, okay? Record it and watch it the next day. If you cut it off one show early, I want you to go and I want you to read and pray and read your scriptures at night before you go to bed. I want you to read scriptures and pray through the scriptures because what will happen is, is that that stuff will be ordered in your mind as you sleep. And so this is why uh, there was a real famous devotional book called Morning an evening. It was a devotional book that had a morning devotion and an evening devotion. There's a little bit of brilliance to that. And so, so there is a win. Now, let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you what the real answer to the question, when should I pray? Here's the real answer. Are you ready? More often than I currently do. Can I, like, like, when should I pray? More often, yeah, there's scriptures that say you should pray always, you should pray without ceasing, which brings in all kinds of ideas of like, well, I can't pray always. Um, because I have to drive and I have to like work and I have to eat and I have to do other things. I have to function. And so uh, I can't just pray always, which means that the writers were thinking that there's two kinds of prayer, that there's a prayer that's a devoted focused time of prayer. And then there's another type of prayer that's kind of an ongoing dialogue. There's just kind of an open signal at all times. I can just in the middle of a thought God, what? God, why? God, did you? God, can you? And I can, you know, many of us have that weird notion that when we say amen, that's the equivalent of saying goodbye. We're like, thank you, Lord, blah, 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 blah. amen, which is like, okay, I'll see you later. Um, and we just take off into our day. Can I tell you, amen just meant like, so be it, you know, uh, you know, let it be confirmed. And so it didn't mean goodbye. Where did God go? He's everywhere. Like, goodbye. Oh, there you are. So, I mean... 
You can't get away from him. There is no goodbye. There is no telephone that you can hang up. Just keep the phone on at all times. There's different kinds of praying. But here's here's what I do want to warn you of in the in, in the category of when. Everybody say when you pray. They, have you ever noticed that we do this a lot? We fall into this tendency of when things are good, we're good with God. We're like, yeah, I, we're good. Thanks. And, and we just keep moving about our day and going with the flow of whatever God has given us. And things are really, really good. But when things get really, really bad, when disaster strikes, when it all hits the fan, you know, what I'm talking about it. What do we do then? We pray. Have, have you ever had a friend? And I hope the answer is no. Have you ever had a friend that only called you? When they, when they needed something. You ever had that friend? Thank God for caller ID, right? Cause now you can avoid that friend whenever you want. See, back in the day, you were stuck with that friend because you didn't know. You didn't, you didn't know who was calling you. And so caller ID has made that brilliant. But if you ever had a friend that only called you, you know, when they needed something, they needed money, they needed like, you, you need to help them move, you know, that's always a good one. They just needed something. And, and yet when they didn't need something, you never heard from them. And when you needed something from them, they never answered your phone call to return your phone. Like, how long did that person stay a good friend? Not, not very long. And, and here's my only thought is that your heavenly father has incredible mercy and patience for you. But I would just say, let's challenge ourselves to not be that friend. Let's not be the person that never talks to God except for when we need something. Does does that make sense? Let's be a people that says, you know what? Let me make prayer a part of my lifestyle, a part of my routine, a part of who I am, a part of an ongoing dialogue with my heavenly father, because I don't want to one day be that guy because God does have caller ID, by the way, and and, and be like, hey, God, I know I haven't talked to you in three years, but uh, I'm really in a jam here. Could you hook me up? We don't want to be that person. So when you pray is important. And the answer is typically more often than I currently do. And I would say that you want to pray in the morning if you can. Pray in the evening if you can. Pray throughout your day if you can. Because I've never heard, I've never heard this before. I have never had somebody in my office and me be counseling with them. And them tell me, Todd, you know what my problem is? I pray too much. That's my problem. It's too much prayer. And it's become an issue in my life. I've never had that. I've never had that. Now, if you're one of them kooky people that wants to shout in tongues in your cubicle and annoy everybody else, that, that's not for you. Stop it. Um, you know, like if you're late for work because if you're in prayer meetings, you're going to get fired. And so don't, don't do that. But I, I don't think that's our problem. Can I get a what what? Can I get? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's us. The majority of us in this room are not the people who are uh, bothering everybody with our prayer. We are the people that say, man, if I could tap into something greater when it comes to my relationship with God, if I could have because prayer is talking to God. Prayer is talking to God. It's when you open up, you're going to see this kind of unfold in, in, in the rest of the day and the weeks to come. Prayer is you being able to talk to God and then be quiet and listen to God. And that ongoing dialogue in the morning and the evening throughout your day as you drive in the shower, whatever works for you, there is no absolutes. There is no an absolute win. But Jesus modeled getting up early and praying in the morning. The disciples modeled the idea of praying all throughout your day to pray without ceasing. There is a win to pray and we need to think about that. Everybody, let's go on to the next one. Everybody say how not to. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed this, but when you read the scriptures, he said when three times. He said when you pray here, when you pray here, when you pray. But in the middle of it, he sandwiched in. And, and when you pray, don't do this. Do you notice he hasn't even gotten to what to do yet? 
He's, it's almost like here, I'm going to tell you what to do in just a second, but here, let me tell you what really bothers me. Let me tell you what annoys me. Don't do this. When somebody leads with don't do, how many know that's kind of important to them? And then I'll follow it with how exactly this is going to break down. And he says a couple different things here. He goes, let me tell you what drives me crazy. People that pray for show drives me crazy. He goes, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray in the synagogues and standing on the streets so that everybody thinks that they're super duper spiritual. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. Don't pray for show. Now, let me ask you a question. The synagogue was their church. Is it good to pray in the synagogue? Oh, yeah. 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 Is it okay to pray on the street? Yeah, that's fine, too. You might want to put some like earphones in or something, make people think you're just talking on your, you know, your cell phone. I don't know. But anyway, it's okay to pray in the street. But what he's saying is this, is you don't do it for show. Don't pray just so that other people think that you're really, really spiritual. I actually think that that's kind of annoying. Like King James prayers don't work. Like you don't have to pray in King James to look really, really spiritual. You don't have to say, Father, thou hast cometh into my life. And now upon this day, I requesteth of you. You're not Shakespeare. <laughs> You don't talk to people like that. That's not you. There's nothing authentic about that. You're trying to look. What are you trying to look spiritual? You just look Shakespearean. So, you know, again, I think this is this is God's way of saying, like, the key to prayer has got to be that it's personal, that it's genuine, that it's authentic. If you're doing it for something out there, you somehow miss the point. He makes this, this clear later. The second time that he does it, he says this. He, goes, he says, don't use vain repetitions. Don't, don't pray like the pagans with their, their, and he calls them babbling, right? So he goes, don't pray like pseudo-religious people, but don't pray like heathens do either because they think that their ongoing babblings will sometimes get them heard, which is interesting because it sounds like Jesus is not interested in how long you can pray. Isn't that fascinating? That like, like cause some people, I prayed for five hours straight. I don't know that that makes you more powerful necessarily than the person who only played for half an hour. I don't know that. Now, I think praying is important. I think the more you pray, the more in touch with the power of God you will be. But we don't measure it in time because then we're using external measures to somehow look at the authenticity of our heart. And that's where it gets really, really dicey. So, And what's funny, too, is this is fascinating. I, um, for all you who are, um, have like a Catholic background, I, I found this so fascinating that Jesus always said, don't make a vain repetition of prayer. And then we took the very next words that he spoke two verses later and made that something that we repeat over and over and over. How did we do that? It's like we skipped these verses, went straight to the Lord's Prayer and said, we're just going to repeat this. Every day, five times a day, we're going to point to the sun and oh, that's how we're going to roll. And, and it's like, no, 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 no. The, the, the prayer that we're going to get into over the next couple of weeks is not a prayer that we repeat. It's a prayer that we model after. So he goes on to say that in essence, like, don't be, don't be like the pagans. Don't be mindless about your prayer, is what he's really saying. Because to get into a vain repetition, vain means empty. It means you're just going through the motions. That's not what prayer is. Prayer should never be mindless. I've taught you this about worship songs. The reason why we introduce worship songs regularly is because when you sing a song more than about 30 to 40 times, your brain has so computed the lyrics to that. This is why you guys listen to the radio. You can go down the, go down the street, drive in your car, and you're just going through lyrics, not even thinking about it. Because after about 30 to 40 times of hearing that song is that you can actually sing the lyrics without consciously thinking about what you're singing. 
prayer is exactly the same way. And he's trying to say, don't be mindless about your prayer. Don't, don't just ramble on and babble on. Jesus, Jesus is in essence saying, look, I'm a person, I'm not an incantation. You can't just rehearse the right words like a magic trick or a spell. And if by saying the right words over and over and over again, somehow conjure up some power and get me to do something. I'm not a puppet. I'm a person. I'm not an incantation. I'm, I'm real. I just wanted to talk to you. Are you flowing with me so far? There's a, there's a how not to pray. And he said, don't pray for show and don't pray mindlessly. Let prayer be authentic. Or we can put it like this. Is that never underestimate the power of a simple and authentic prayer. Never underestimate that. We're not measuring the, the length of time. We're measuring the genuineness in your voice and your heart opening up to God as you talk to him and as you speak to him. Number three is this. Everybody say there's a where to pray. Where to pray. Or there's a where to pray. Jesus, Jesus said these words. He goes, when you go into your room is what he said. Did you notice that? He actually says that if you really, really want to pray, and this is more of the focus prayer, is have a place of prayer. Have a place that's free from the cell phone, free from the distraction. It can be focused because when you have a place of prayer, you have a place of solitude. You have a place that you can go to. It's a place where you can remember that you know when you're in this place, this is a time between you and your heavenly father. He goes, there is a place and it's a secret place. It's a quiet place. It's a place Free from distraction. And I'm going to tell you how powerful this place might be. There is a story. It's in John chapter 1. And I want to read it for you. It's about a young, young disciple. Loves God. Prays. Reads the scriptures. And he's invited to meet Jesus. And this is what happens. The Bible says that when Jesus saw Nathanael coming to meet him. He said of Nathanael. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And so Nathaniel asked him the question, how do you know me? We've never met before. I want you to get that phrase. How do you know me? Remember that phrase. And Jesus responds and says, well, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathaniel was so blown away. We don't even know why. And he, so he declares, he goes, Rabbi, you are the son of God. This is the first disciple that figures it out. This is the, and all Jesus said was, no, 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 I saw you when you were under the fig tree. Meaning that Nathaniel had a place of prayer. This is what the fig tree represented. When you're in the Middle East and it's really, really hot, you need to find a shady place. And what they would do is they would get underneath the canopied leaves of a fig tree to go and pray and study. And I don't know what Nathaniel was praying. I don't know. My guess is his prayer was saying, Jesus or God, I want to see the Messiah come. God, I want to know the Messiah. I want to be able to walk with the Messiah. That's my guess. I don't know that for certain. But something went down in his prayer time under the fig tree that was so profound that when he met Jesus, maybe his prayer was, God, help me to be a person of no guile and no deceit. Whatever he was praying was somehow linked to his interaction with Jesus and it blew his mind. Because Nathaniel had found a place of prayer, a place of solitude, a place of connection and communication and talking with God. Now, here's what's fascinating. I hope you get this. There are other places in Scripture where Jesus uttered the words, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I'm sorry, I don't know you. There's a case in Matthew chapter 7 where people come to Jesus and say, hey, we're ready to enter into your kingdom. Look at all we did. Look at all the good stuff we did. And the, and the Bible says that they will be uh, upset on that day because Jesus will look at them and say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. 
There's another part where the, remember the parable of the ten virgins? There's five foolish ones. There's five wise ones. They come. The foolish ones run late because they had to run back and get some oil because they weren't prepared. And when they get to the door, the door had been closed. So they knocked on the door and they said, hey, we're ready for the party. Let us in. And the guy goes, sorry, I don't know you. Now, let me ask you a question. This is just a little theological question here. Does God know all things? So then does God know you? So then if God knows you, but then at times he doesn't know you, what are we missing? And here's the point that I want to try to make is that God desires to know us relationally, not factually. Does God know all things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has he ever spent time with you in a secret place. Because God wants and desires to know you relationally, not factually. You, you see, you know that when you think about the different sports stars, the different movie stars, the different music celebrities that are out there. Many times we love them. We adore them. We have all their, we have all their albums and their greatest hits. We've been to their concerts. We, 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 we check up on their blog sites and we, we know all the details about them and we know them, don't we? Factually, like we know a lot about them. We, we know, like I, it's funny to think some of the things I know that y'all are into. But anyway, y'all, y'all know certain things. But like if you were to ever bump into this person on the street, you would be a stranger to them. Because you know them factually, you don't know them relationally. And many of us, that's how we are with God right now. Many of us know God factually. And God knows all of us factually. The question would be this. Does God know you relationally. There was um, a story about these African Christians who were in a certain particular tribe and area, and they had a thing about them. They had dedicated places of prayer, similar to the fig tree. They had these places that they would go that were shady places. And so from the main village, they would have these walkways. And if you prayed enough, how many know when you walk over the same path over and over and over again, it literally marks the path that you walk on repeatedly. And so this is the way that they encourage one another is that whenever you saw someone's path who is started to grow weeds and it started to grow grass again, they would say the words, brother, the grass grows on your path. Brother, the grass grows on your path. And it was their loving way of nudging them saying, hey, it's been too long of time since you've been in that secret place. It's been too long since you've been under the fig tree. And I encourage you to get back there because the grass is growing on your path. Do you have a place of prayer? It could be like that chair. Guys, can I get an amen? There's a, there's a chair sometimes that's just awesome. There's a room. There's a place. I would say find a place of prayer and you will find it easier to connect with God on a more consistent basis. Here we're going to wrap up on this last point. Jesus says something so profound at the end. He goes, when you pray... We talked about that. He goes, don't, don't, don't be like them people. That, that's annoying. Don't do that. And then he goes, where to pray? There's a place. There's a, there's a quiet place, a secret place. There's a fig tree. There's something. Go find a place of prayer. And then at the end of the whole thing, he blows my mind because he says, he says these words. Oh, and by the way, your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Which to me always begged the question, um, why do I even need to pray then? God, if you know everything I need, even before I ask the question, why do I even need to ask the question? You already know. And here it comes right back around to that big idea. 
of when you pray, because it ought to be ongoing. There ought to be a, dr- a true and genuine connection there. And when you do pray, don't make it uh, this, this thing for show. It should be authentic. And don't make this thing of babbling mindlessly. It ought to be real and genuine. And, and when you do find a place of prayer, because I promise it will be more powerful and impact in your life to have a place where we meet and we join together. And, and when you do all that, just know this. Even before you utter your first word, God already knows. Which begs the question, then why would you even want me to be there? And I'll tell you why. Because God enjoys the sound of your voice. And if you are a parent, you know what I'm talking about. There are days where I come home. There are days where I know what my kids do, but I I love to sit down and the voice of a four-year-old and the innocence of their voice and say, Caitlin, what did you do today? Caitlin, tell me about your day today. My son had a fantastic day just two weeks ago where he had this going on and this and he won this and he just, and you could tell he was on cloud nine. He was kind of like just bouncing off the walls, so excited and happy about how great his day went. And And guess what? I was with him for like most of the day. I know exactly what happened. I'm like, Peyton, man, tell me about your dad. Oh, dad, as a father, as a parent, I just love to hear the sound of his voice. I love to hear his heart. I want to know. I want him to be open to me. I want him to share things with me. Do I already know? Yeah, I know it factually, but I just want to relate with him, to connect to him, to be close to him, to hear the sound of his voice. That's all I really care about at all. I'll prove it to you. This is what Jesus in the next chapter summarizes his whole take on prayer with these words. He says, which of you, again, this is on the heels of a big talk on prayer. He goes, which of you, if your son or your kid asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? That's a terrible gift idea. Or if you ask for a fish, would you give him a snake? That's even worse. If you then, though you're evil, (laughs) thank you, Jesus, um, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So Jesus does this whole bit on when and where and how not to. He gives us the model. We'll get into that later. He says a few other things. But at the end, he paints this big picture and says, hey, let's just let's wrap the whole thing up here. I'm going to tell you what prayer looks like. If you really want to know what prayer is, it's as simple as this. It's like a little kid coming to talk to and ask of. His loving dad. That's what I want you to be like. I want you to be like a little kid who just wants to run up to dad and tell him about your day. I know he already knows. He just wants to hear the sound of your voice. And I've got these things that I really, really need. And God's already got a plan probably worked out for it anyway. And he already knows what you're going to ask. But that's not the point. Again, God does not desire to know you factually. He desires to know you relationally. God wants to know you when it comes to the to the where to pray i'm telling you be mindful that there's a place of solitude that will make prayer more powerful i'm telling you that that god wants you to be your prayers to be authentic and genuine i'll tell you this when it comes to the win of prayer god wants your your prayers not to be the last resort but to be your first response like he wants the ongoing dialogue but he wants it in the morning the evening and god is always available for one big reason it's because god really really likes you And God really, really loves you. And God wants to be the father in your life that many of you never had. I know all of our dads were, some of them not there at all. Some were very broken. Some of them were just a little bit flawed. But I'm telling you, your heavenly father is perfect in all ways. And he wants to be a loving heavenly father in your life. 
And prayer is how you open up that link, how you open up that communication where you begin to connect with your heavenly father. And so over these next few weeks, I want to challenge you. Number one is this, is I want to challenge you just through these next few weeks. I think this is where our church is. If you're anything like me, we could all use a boost in our prayer life. This is an area where we could see some huge results really, really fast. But here's my first challenge is I want you to make a time for prayer. For some of you, that's morning. For some of you, that's evening. For some of you, you got a, you got a perfect time slot right in the middle of your day, kind of like a lunch break that you don't have to take lunch with other people and you can make that. I want you to make a time for prayer. And I want you to think about and ask God, where could I make that time? There was an old pastor named Jim Weidman who told me that his, his days would get so busy with planning and meetings. He said, I literally had to get to the point where I would schedule a meeting with Jesus and I would book it off of my calendar so that no one, if anybody tried to book, I said, sorry, I got an appointment right there. He said, I made a time for Jesus. Number two is this is I want you to make a place for prayer. And I know some of y'all, you got, you got a home, and you got 20 kids living with you and it's crazy. Go find a fig tree. Go find a quiet place. Go find a path. Go find a, yeah, it could be a walk. It could be a trail. It could be anything. I'm telling you, try to find a place for prayer. And then lastly, what I want you to do is when you get there, I just want you to talk to God from the genuineness of your heart and just tell him what you think, what you feel, what's going on, what you need, how your day was. To the best of your ability, I want you to open up your life to God and watch Because many of us don't have God actively involved in our life because we have yet to invite him in to be actively involved in our life. Make prayer something that you do. Watch your relationship with God take off. Let's pray together this morning. Father, I pray, God, that you would help us as a people. God, to have a desire for prayer, a heart for prayer, even, even a discipline for prayer. There's nothing wrong with being disciplined about our prayer. God, just help us to keep it from being a routine. Help us to keep it from being mindless. But God, let us be always aware of your presence, that we can't leave you, we can't say goodbye, we can't hang up a phone. You are there. And God, as you are there, we pray that you would help us, God, to open up the lines, to open up the signal, to talk to you without ceasing always in the morning in the evening as we read through the scriptures as we pray for our friends and our neighbors and our brothers and our sisters and our church god no matter what it is god we pray that we would become that we don't have to be warriors necessarily but god we want to be a people of prayer we want to be a people who are constantly talking and listening to you god Help us to take that step no matter where we're at. And for those of us who are warriors and interceders, God, I pray that you would only make it more powerful, God. Father, we pray and ask for your help and your strength, for your guidance. But above all, we thank you today that you are that loving Father who has invited us in to come, to join you, to share our life, to share our day, so that, God, that we may know you relationally and you may know us that way as well. God, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?